Coming up, a podcast I didn't really want to do. I just went to Game 5, Warriors-Celtics. I thought long and hard about not doing this podcast, but I guess we're doing it, and it's coming up next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Monopoly Go. It's halftime and the scoreboard's not looking good. You're not sure you can pull out a win? That's when you say to yourself, it's time to get back in the game, pull off some bank heists and take as much of my friend's money as I possibly can. That's right. The hit mobile game, Monopoly Go, lets you compete with your friends to be the biggest tycoon ever. I might do this with my high school friends. We used to play Monopoly all the time. It's the Monopoly you love, but on your phone anytime with tons of new twists, including leaderboards to compare your progress, there's so much to do. Play on countless dynamic Monopoly boards. Make your friends bankrupt by smashing their landmarks with a wrecking ball. Charge other players rent for your iconic properties. Maybe you'll even play against me. I'm great at Monopoly. You could even work with your friends to crack open community chests and in tournaments to get extra rewards. Get back out there. Put on your game face. Download Monopoly Go. Now free on the App Store or Google Play. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. A new Rewatchables is coming on Tuesday night. We're doing a Steven Seagal movie. Kyle Brandt requested it. He's joining me. You could probably guess which one we're doing. You could probably take it to the bank. But yeah, it was uh, really, really fun to talk about that. A lot more fun than what we're about to talk about. Just went to Game 5 Celtics Warriors. I am in my hotel room. I'm pretty bummed out. I'm not going to lie. If if you love hearing a bummed out Bill Simmons do a podcast, this is the podcast for you. I figured I would call um, one of my biggest Boston friends, my buddy Kevin Hench, and we're just going to talk about what the hell happened to our season, which looks so promising when we were up 2-1. I'm using we like I'm on the team. I'm shattered. I'm a mess. The podcast is coming next. First, Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, taping this, it is 9-11 p.m. Pacific time. I think I just watched the Celtics throw away the 2022 title. Not positive, because that's what this team does. My buddy Kevin Hedge is here. We're going to have a Boston pity party. Look, I, I've been doing podcasts this whole time. I've been super reliable. Every once in a while, you just have to hear us have a complete meltdown. Hench, before we do that, though. So what changed these last two games? I sketched this out in a, in a solid six minutes. The biggest thing to me is Wiggins. Wiggins in the last two games, 17 and 16 in game four. And then in game five, 26 and 13, he was the best player on the floor. He looked like the guy I thought Jalen Brown was going to be coming into the playoffs. So just quickly, that was not 
not a variable we were kind of expecting, right? Although he's had a good year. I mean, you know, it's not surprising when he makes a shot. It is surprising when he gets 29 rebounds in consecutive games. <laughs> that That's a little puzzling. Um, uh, and was super confident. Like today he was 0 for 6 from 3, but he's 12 for 23 from the game. So he was 12 for 17 on twos and was going to the basket with impunity to the point that I was jealous because, you know, our guys, when they were going to the basket, they're either getting stripped, they're throwing up the backboard, and it's just like, isn't that supposed to look like what Wiggins is doing, Yeah, right? like you kind of hit the corner of the glass and it goes in. That's what the layup <laughs> looks like, right? <laughs> All right, so that's, so Wiggins, one difference. Second difference, the Boston bench. Game four, five for 16 shooting. Game five, one for eight. The three three guys. Uh, your guy Pritchard came in. You can say he's like a son to you. <laughs> You've actually said the words. If if you could take me when I was age seventeen and turn me into an NBA player, I would have been Pritchard. Um, comes in, misses two threes, confident threes, and after he missed the second one, deer in the headlights, and they take him out within five. No, minutes. his 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 five minutes was was obviously personally devastating for me because I do regard him as the, <laughs> as the son I never had. He first of all, you miss his first touch, he runs out of bounds. He catches an inbounds pass in yeah. the corner. He's I forgot standing right. out of bounds. That's his first touch, and then I believe he misses three threes before he mercifully gets gets sent to the bench. So so that was as bad a five minutes as as you can play. Um and then, you know, that that the the Derek White confident three point shooter that reared his head momentarily in this series was so yeah. exciting. And then we we did not see him uh when we needed him on those on those two threes uh when the tide was turning. Yeah well We'll recap when everything turned, but you you made the key point. He had two open threes. He was 0 for 4 in this game. You know, you go back to game seven, Milwaukee, the role guys are the guys that win ugly games like this. And the role guys for the Celtics, I don't know what happened to Grant Williams from this impact guy in the Buck series that it actually seemed like he was like the sixth starter in a lot of ways, but he went sideways. So the bench, that was big. Third thing, turnovers. Game four, 15 for Boston. Game five, 18. Now, if you just told me before the game, the Celtics are going to have 18 turnovers and there's going to be two different moments when Marcus Smart and Ime Adoka get technicals from yelling at Mark Davis and Tony Brothers. What do you think, what do you think the result of the game would be? What would you have said? <laughs> Double-digit loss. <laughs> okay, so we have that. Um, they get a miracle curry. He's seven for 22. He misses every three. Now they're, they're throwing double team. They're doing stuff at him. But, you know, I, w I went to the game. I was there. I thought Curry definitely did not seem 100%. I don't know what it would look like on TV to you. I mean, you know, he, the, the crazy thing in terms of whether he's playing hurt or not still finishes around the rim. If Jason Tatum could finish around the rim like the smallest guy on the court, uh, the Celtics would be in much better shape. But Fair. as I as I texted you, Jason Tatum is shooting thirty point six percent from two point land in this series. Yeah, he's nineteen for sixty two from two point land in today's NBA. Two point land is layups 
and foul line jumpers. There really yeah, are floaters. other two point shots, and he cannot finish around the rim, and it is it is maddening. Um, but you know, Steph Steph finished around the rim in traffic. Uh, he just was zero for nine from from behind the arc. So this was the one. Obviously, you had to steal the one bad game Steph's going to have, uh, and and we just played like dog shit. And Jalen Brown probably. Certainly had his worst game of the season, but it's up there for his career. Five for 18 with five turnovers. Yeah, and it felt worse. It felt like he had 10 turnovers. The South scored 39 in the first half. Come out in the third quarter. They scored 31 over the next 10 minutes. They're up 70-67 with two minutes left. And then over the next 10 minutes and 30 seconds, they scored nine points total. And it goes from 70 to 67 to 79 to 93. Well, well the Warriors were a little on the ropes, and then Clay hits two threes, and then Poole hits a three, and then, you know, I mean, we talk about it all the time. These these Celtic possessions at the end of quarters, you know, I mean, obviously, we've never executed a two-for-one ever. This goes back to uh, Bill Sharman and Bob Cousy. It's like a <laughs> minus two-for-one. It's never happened. But, you know, so we come down, there's like, there's like 27 seconds left when we get the ball. So we're going to use the entire shot clock and get a terrible shot. That That's a given, you know, but there'll be just enough time left for somebody to throw a heave for, for the Warriors. And sure enough, it works out exactly right. Jalen takes a terrible contested desperation shot at the shot clock buzzer, long rebound, kick out to Jordan Poole, and he banks it in. And you just felt it at that moment. Um, you know, sort of like when Marcus banked in, banked in the shot in game three, you're yeah. like, oh, I think we're going to win this game. <laughs> and when right. Jordan Poole banked in the buzzer beater, I was like, oh, we're, we're going to lose. It did something worse than that. It got the crowd back into it because they kind of haymakered the crowd in the first 10 minutes of the third sure. quarter. The combo of the shot, all of a sudden the Celts are playing with pace. Tatum hit some dagger threes and really started to look like he had a 40 point game in him. And then Curry couldn't make anything. And I, it was interesting because I've been there, obviously, when Curry gets hot and there's no connection in the NBA and probably in sports, like the connection with Curry and that, and that crowd. When he's feeling it, it's like it's a snowball downhill and you're just going to get caught. It's an avalanche. When he's not feeling it, which was the experience tonight, the crowd was, it, it, it was kind of like disbelief. It wasn't like awkward silence. Nobody was mad. It was just like, wait, is he? What's going on here? Are we in bizarre world? So it did feel like it was there for the taking and they lost the momentum. But the problem, Ime knew he he wasn't getting anything from his bench. So he just kind of had to keep Tatum and Brown out there. I don't think they came out in the second half, did they? I don't think so. Um, you know, I mean, it's weird because Tatum's line is deceptive because he's 10 for 20. Now he does to your point about fatigue, he does shoot four air balls in the second half, four shots that hit the floor before they hit anything else. Um, and he did, I believe, with his four turnovers tonight, I believe he broke LeBron's he did. season playoff record for turnovers. And so, you know, you and I for years have been wanting him to drive the ball, drive the ball. Obviously, we remember when he announced himself with the dunk on LeBron. He never dunks on anybody anymore. Like if somebody told me he can't dunk anymore, I'd go, oh gosh, that's it. That explains it. Like he never <laughs> finishes with strength, you know, and he never makes the ref. I know he complains on every missed layup, but he never wants contact. Like he contorts himself with these circus shots around the basket that yeah. avoid contact. 
and and make it a difficult shot. And then he and then he slaps the pad on the stanchion while Wiggins is making the layup at the other end. And it's maddening. So you have a guy who set the single season playoff record for turnovers, who's shooting under 31% from two in the playoffs. And I still feel like I want him to drive. And I'm like, why do I want him to drive? There are two things that are going to happen if he drives. He's probably going to turn the ball over or there's a 69% chance he's going to miss whatever shot he gets. Clearly, the best option for Tatum is the step-back three-pointer, which he's quite adroit at. Um, well, so- they, it was weird. He had the strangest game because near the end of the second quarter, I felt like he didn't want the ball anymore. He actually was hot potatoing it the last three minutes. He passed up. They were shooting on the basket on the side I was sitting. He passed up an open three with three minutes left, stuff like that, where you're just like, what's going on? Are you tired? Like, it, it, But then third quarter came out and was like Tatum again. And then like you said, like it, like all of a sudden he wasn't going to the basket anymore. And then it, it, the moment kind of died. But he was he was there for 10 minutes. But we were down 16 at the outset before he took a shot. Jalen had taken eight shots before Tatum took a shot. So it was yeah. this weird passivity. And obviously he gets very passive in, in a very weird way. And look, I don't want to sound like Skip Bayless, who's like, LeBron should shoot against a quadruple team. Like, (laughs) obviously, there's a good basketball play to be made on every possession. And I commend Tatum for how much that part of his game has improved. And by the way, he's an excellent defender. I actually actually thought he played a good all-around game, except for I just think he needed to shoot 30 times in this game. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Which, you know, he... So he was very passive to start. And then when he came back, right at the end of the first quarter, he was three for three. And it was yep. like, kind of, we started to climb back in. Um, and yeah, I know. It's like sometimes, like Steph did in game four, your your best player has to take over the game. And, uh, you know, he was, it, he was the only guy that was going to do it tonight because he actually had his stroke going from deep. He was five for nine from three. Um, but uh, yeah, everyone else was, uh, was not up to it. And Marcus, you know, you and I have been talking about Marcus for so long, but I cut Marcus Mark Marcus Smart a lot of slack because he's not very good at basketball. I mean, he has made such an incredible career. When you think about what he was when he arrived in the NBA, he has made himself a useful, I mean, obviously defensive player of the year, which I think you and I might both think is a bit of a stretch, but obviously an excellent... No, I voted for him. I'm I'm in on it. Okay, okay. Um, uh, So he, he rings so much out of what he brings to the court based on effort and intelligence. Um, he really knows the game. He's a leader. But, like, Tatum's just much better at basketball. Like, Tatum actually has this incredible game. Tatum's been the best player on the court ever since he was 10 years old. And so right. I hold Tatum to a higher standard, and it really drives me crazy when he takes it to the basket. And I'm like, did he not get fouled? Like, how did he miss that layup by that much? Like, wasn't he at the basket? Like, can I see that again? Like, how do they always roll off? Like, it's it's just maddening. And then I have to remind myself, if Chris Middleton wasn't injured, we would have lost in five games to the Bucs. <laughs> oh, my God. And then Tatum's 24. And I feel like in three years, the two things he needs to work on is the 15-foot pull-up after he beats his guy, where it's either a three-pointer or he's driving to the basket and there's no in-between. He has that floater game he just doesn't have yet. He doesn't and, have it. And, that's something- and the post-up game that Clay, Wiggins, and Steph 
all do very well is, is driving that man off and shooting a 15 or 16 footer. Now you texted, you had a text that indicated that, and I feel, I feel this way about game four and five, but like every team, you know, and obviously the Celtics have gone further than this unit has yet, but like it felt in game four, like we hit a maturity ceiling. We hit our, we hit our maturity ceiling where it's like, yeah, there's this weird ineffable thing where, uh, the final, the final hurdle to being a champion is the hardest hurdle. And we might just not be there mentally, uh, and like emotionally. (laughs) Well, and, and depth less, I think is the, the bigger thing because Tatum had to play 44 hard minutes watching Spin at the game, like he was playing like real high level, excellent defense and the stuff they were doing on Curry, all of those guys had to buy in. It had to be smart and Jalen and Tatum and they could never lose sight of him. And then White came in, same thing. So he was like maximum effort on defense. And I think that's why the air balls, you just have to excuse those. And some of the turnovers second half, he had such a responsibility at the same time, you know, the, the, the stage was set here for, an amazing game when when they in the third quarter when it seemed like they had taken a little bit of control and Curry was out and it's like oh my god we might actually win this then you start thinking game six is in Boston oh this, yeah so all they, remember that ten minutes my mind I mean you know it did feel like there was a r- realistic chance that we were going to be up eight at the end of the third quarter the way it was going. And they would have a little bit of a hill to climb. And so that that sequence where they got 12 points from Clay and Poole uh, and end up end up ahead at the end of the third quarter was a stomach punch for sure. Um, but I don't, I mean, you know, I don't mind 24-year-old guys playing 44 minutes with a ton of TV timeouts and regular timeouts. I'm like, it's the finals, you know, <laughs> you've got it. Yeah, end. that's fair. And one thing I would also say about this Celtic team it, I, it, we've been noticing it all year since they flipped the switch and the defense just started taking over games. And we, I mean, we were just getting in the regular season, we would be up by 25 in the second quarter, like three times a week. Like it was crazy when this team came together and I will say all playoffs long, incredible physical fitness, like incredible, like not grabbing their shorts. Like they play really hard. They defend for the full 24 seconds and guys are not gasping. So I, I love that about them. The defense in the third quarter was exceptional. And one of the reasons I got really optimistic because I was watching our bench and our bench was kind of average excitement first half, but, um, you know, a little deer in the headlightsy. Not people are standing, but third quarter, Grant's talking. He's chirping with Clay Thompson. Um, every time there's a play, guys are like doing the fist pump going on the court. And it just felt, and I was watching it going, man, Ime must have given an awesome halftime speech. He must have given one of those, we are not going to roll over like this. And they seem locked in and it had that feeling. It reminded me a little bit of, I was at Milwaukee-Boston game five in Boston when Milwaukee stole that game. And it was the same kind of thing. Like the bench was like, we're going to take this. We got this. And that last two minutes when they couldn't sub for Jalen and Tatum, lost a little momentum and then that little sequence we described at the end that led with the pool and all of a sudden the Warriors are winning at the end of the third quarter. It's like, what just happened? Then we go to the fourth quarter, Derek White misses the two threes and it's a wrap. Um, I have, wait, we got to take a break and then I want to do 
we have to talk we have to talk Warriors because I, I'm just so impressed by that team. And then we gotta do a big picture Boston thing. Just so this isn't totally Boston centric. We've watched this Warriors team now for five games. I think you're you're similar to me. Like you've just always enjoyed the Curry experience and just the the play and all that. I think if the Warriors win and it's it, I didn't really get there tonight as like, man, that doesn't seem like a finals team to me. Where like Wiggins is their second best player. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But he has gotten better during the series, which you can't say about anybody in the Celtics. Um, but the big thing for for me, it's like their offense is just consistently at least solid and sometimes good and then sometimes really good. Like they, you know, they got to, they got to a hundred points again. They're always, they never have droughts, I guess is my point. That third quarter drought they had was pretty unusual for them. You, it's really hard to hold them down. And then when they can come back with this barrage of threes like they had in the second quarter, when all of a sudden it was like three, 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 I think they had four threes in a row. But I think, the fact that they have been able to play Clay and Poole and Curry together, or you know Clay have Poole out there where we're not torture, torching him, has been their biggest advantage. It seems like they always have two scores out there, right? And I mean, the thing is, I know he, he had his his first bad game of the series, but Steph creates. You're it's very yeah. hard to not get a good look when you're on the court with Steph Curry. He just demands like hit, you know. The, the the movement he creates with the defense, just with his ball handling, the switches he's creating. And so, you know, obviously an open look for Clay is a great shot. Wiggins, um, he was over six from three tonight, but he's proved very capable around. They're the all good shots. And, and, and so they tend to get really good shots. I mean, look, we, we love Steph Curry. We love how he's, everybody loves Steph Curry. We love how he's changed the game you know, from that that uh, Pistons Knicks slugfest of the turn of the century to this just wide open, you know, you've got to guard guys at thirty five feet now. You know, it's insane. And uh, so, you know, if you have to get beaten by anybody, Steve Kerr and Steph Curry are not they're not real villains. You know, I mean, it's like you you really you, you don't want to lose to Draymond, but uh, but but Steph, <laughs> yeah, Draymond's Steph, been super annoying. Yeah, yeah Curry I, creates. Even if he doesn't have the box score, it is one of those you kind of have to actually watch the game. You can't just look at the stats. Like he creates so many four on threes. There's so many open looks. There's so much running on the defensive side. I would love to see somebody try to break down the stats when people play the Warriors. Do the do the perimeter guys just run more? Because it just feels like they're at maximum exertion. It would be so frustrating to just see this guy every couple days for two weeks. He's crazily fit. He is crazily fit. He can run. He can run baseline screens. He can just he can just run, run, run. And if you take a breath, the ball's in the basket. Like you know, yeah. Of his fourteen field goals in Game Four, twelve of them were contested. Like this guy's nuts. Come on, yeah. So you think like they hit with that pool draft pick? The Wiggins trade was great. Um, they were able to salvage a declining Draymond, at least in this game. I thought he was like fairly effective and he had a couple, you know, drives down the lane, stuff like that. The Looney thing, um, who's gotten less minutes as the series goes on. The big adjustment they seem to make is they're okay going smaller. They don't feel like our size can hurt them in the same way because they're getting our bigs in space. I, I mean, that's been part of what's been such a bummer about Tatum's inability to finish around the rim is like, they don't have any rim protectors. Like, that's it. Doesn't make sense. Make no sense. Yeah. They have no shot blocker. 
dunk on them. Like, what is going on? Um, it is interesting to look at these two teams. And like I mentioned Middleton earlier, and, you know, I mean, that Bucks series goes seven, and I, I don't think we win it if Middleton can play. And then, you know, uh, a, a gritty Jimmy Butler, the ball is in the air with 11 seconds left. You know, we're not winning that game if that three-pointer goes in. And then on their side of the bracket, you know, I mean, John Morant gets hurt, and then they dodge the Suns. So you could argue that neither of these teams really belong <laughs> right. to the finals. Uh, but of the two teams that are in the finals, the the team that had 123 games of finals experience uh, seems to be the one uh, that's going to prevail. And they're very well coached. Kerr does little... I, I've been so impressed by... I've some biased. I like Kerr. I've I'm, I'm been friends with him for a long time. But, you know, it's not like he's been... He's been hitting home runs as a coach, right? He has like the, if you go really watch like the last seven minutes of game seven, 2016, like there's rough moments. Like he's got Azealia on an island against LeBron for two straight threes. And so I'm not saying he's like the greatest coach of all time, but I think he's been amazing in these playoffs. And it's like little stuff, right? It's he'll call the timeout after somebody makes the first free throw. And then he calls it just like these little, little touches or he'll call a timeout they're up eight or they're up 10 and the Celtics make a three and he'll just immediately call the timeout to yeah. stop it. So we he, don't even feel like we have momentum. You know, you mentioned the avalanche, you know, he's, he's courtside for so many avalanches that his team <laughs> does to other teams that he's acutely aware of like, Ooh, this might be the start of one for yeah. them. And it's always better to call the timeout a little early than a little late. <laughs> and, and he always does. You're, you know, as soon as you get excited, uh, you're like, ooh, I think we're starting to make a run. He's like, oh, he knows. So he's called timeout. And then the other thing that we talked about uh, quite a bit before game four, you know, was would he be willing to have Draymond yell at him? <laughs> you know, and he, and he proved he, he was. Maybe he's the only guy who's not intimidated by Draymond because the officials certainly are. Yeah, it's funny. I thought Clay was going to be the tough decision for them. But Clay's been really good the last couple games. I thought his defense again, was fantastic. I feel like he, Wiggins and Clay have gotten better as the series goes along. And nobody in the Celtics has gotten better as the series went along. I can't think of a single person who I'm like, oh, that guy's better than he was a week ago. And, and Clay Thompson's another guy. Like, how do you root against the guy who didn't play for 941 days? Right. And just was, you know, working in the gym, doing leg lifts for three years. You know, it's insane. So, yeah, it, it's... Uh, Obviously, losing sucks. Losing game four sucked. Losing tonight sucked. But uh, it's it's a very hard team to hate. Yeah, the one the one thing with Ma, you know, and he's a rookie coach. There's a couple moments in the game he just I don't feel like has coached enough games to see the little stuff. Kerr has now been doing this since the 2014-15 season. He's eight years in. He really has a sense not just of his team, but like those little things. I felt like. When the Celts, when they, with two minutes left in the third quarter, there was a moment there when it's like, you know what? I know there's only two minutes left and you could try to take this to the quarter, but the Jalen and Tatum and these guys, they've been like laying out. And I just like, like, just let's just try to get out of this quarter. Let's do everything we can. Use two timeouts if you have to, but little stuff like that. I did, was impressed though. White didn't have it. White is back to deer in the headlights, White. And uh, I, you know, anytime another you, another roller coaster. Been wide open for a three, and you go, you convey to the entire arena. I'd really rather not take this shot. But then, do I have to? 
nobody runs at you because they're like, we really want you to take that shot. <laughs> okay, well then I guess I have to, that ball never goes in. Well, he took he did the two in a row, and and Ime immediately had Smart back up. But like, there was little stuff like they they stumbled onto something against Pool in the second quarter when they were posting up Smart on Pool. He posts up Pool, something good happens. They do it again. The Warriors immediately doubled it. This is in the second quarter. And it ends up, ball gets swung around. And and to me, it's like, if you're doing anything that causes an immediate double, I'm just going to keep doing that. Right? That's like, oh, we've stumbled on oil here. Let's just yeah. go. It was the yeah. last time we saw him post up pool. And then when pool came in the second time, Kerr staggered it. So he brought pool in when Smart was out of the game. And it's just, it's little stuff like that. That's how you lose a series. Like, pool, every other team was destroying and torching and putting, like, they're doing everything possible to get their, a good offensive player against him. And the Celtics just kind of let him hang out. They don't torture him at all. The other thing the Warriors do, they spread the floor, obviously, so well. And then when they start creating the scramble of rotations and recoveries, somebody cuts to the basket. This is, this is yep. like something we never do. Like somebody, so it's like, hey, why is Gary Payton Jr. getting an uncontested layup? Oh, because he cut to the basket against this mad scramble where everyone is fanning out to the three-point line. Um, and and the Warriors, I would say their their half-court movement, you know, as you spoke to with the with the constant running, it's just so much the action is so much more designed to create good shots and layups. I mean, they started the game with a layup when Tatum fell asleep and Otto Porter got a layup. And the Celtics, I feel like we're, it's all designed for a kick out. It, it all is designed to result in somebody getting a three-point shot. And two-fifths of those guys are usually guys the opposition is fine getting a three-point shot. <laughs> so so yeah. it, it's, uh, it is, uh, obviously we have no, I feel like we have, absolutely no limitations defensively. Like, you know, unless Pritchard, you know, is in there for five minutes, but everybody in the rotation can has great switchability, great connectivity. And, but on the offensive end, it, we run out of ideas real quick. Yeah, it's, sometimes you see this, right? Where there, there's 23 games now of playoff game film, right? 23. And it just feels like everybody has figured out what the Celtics do. Well, and now it's like, out, what's the plan B? You know, you pointed out in the Heat series, like just how good we are when we push the ball, when we're able to push the ball, whether it's off turnovers or, you know, defensive rebounds. But, you know, when when we come up in the half court, we're just very pedestrian. <laughs> like, I meant to tell you this. Somebody somebody works for the Celtics because I was like, are we going gonna to play with pace today? Like, we just push the ball. Is that going to happen today? And they showed me this, um, it was points by second of when it was scored on the shot clock. And it was just a straight line down, of course. which is basically as it got closer and closer last day, it was literally just this 45 degree angle. And the person told me, look, this is what we tell these guys. Here's what happens when you push and here's what happens when it slows down. And, you know, I, you know, you get in the game. I know they're tired. They're only playing like six guys, basically. So I, I understand it. But when they play with the pace and they're, and they're pushing it, when Horford's flying down, that's when it feels like the Celtics. So I don't know if they can get back there. No, the, anything that approaches the clogged toilet offense, right? That's the worst. Yeah. That's the end of the graph is the, <laughs> is the fade away at the shot clock buzzer. That's the worst. Oh, result. my God. 
anything with pace and aggression to the basket. Um, and, you know, I mean, he didn't play well tonight, but like all playoffs long, Jalen's been finishing well in transition. Like Jalen's been our best player for huge stretches of these playoffs. Um, so tonight was obviously a bummer. I still love him, though. All right. Well, let's end this Boston pity party with this. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the listeners. This podcast was so Boston centric, but sometimes it's going to have, happen because for, this is the first, the third time now during the playoffs where I felt like the season was over. <laughs> the first time was after game five of the Milwaukee series, walking home with my dad. And I was like, we just lost the title. I can't believe it. What just happened? Then the second time was Miami, um, game, game six. What just right. happened? What just we, happened? Oh my God, we just lost the title. And now it feels, the, the difference this time is against Milwaukee, I really did feel like the Celtics had a better team and we blew it, right? In game five. It was like, we, we're actually, without Middleton, we're actually better than that team. They, even though they have Giannis, give him 40 and 50, we're still better. Miami, definitely better. It was like, really? We're going to blow it to this crazy Miami team? Like, what, what the hell is happening? Golden State actually might be better. That's, yeah. that's, this is the more, this is the most alarming moment of the three times because I actually think Golden State, the Gary Payton stuff, Gary Payton, 20, we didn't mention 26 minutes tonight, six for eight, had some great cuts. There was that inbounds play, Iguodala. He just back cut. How many back cuts did they have today? No, look, it feels I, like Golden I, State's I, getting better. Yeah. As I, as I said, I, I cut Marcus a lot of slack, but one thing I can't cut him slack on is falling asleep on an inbounds pass in the NBA finals. Like you only have to concentrate for 40 minutes. This is, this is the most important two weeks of your career. And when Gary Payton Jr. cuts back door, Marcus is sound asleep. Like just watch yeah, this it's tough. replay. He is asleep. Like this is not interesting enough for you to pay attention for the entire 40 minutes. Um, That's what the Warriors thrive on that, though. They yeah. they are dying for those five times a game when somebody just gets caught napping. Cat napping. Or, yeah. they, or they're looking at whatever. Or should I go? And all of a sudden, their guy is behind them going for a lap. So I think the movement they have, the fact that Wiggins is clearly getting better. And you, you could see, like, when Peyton got hurt in that Memphis series, how upset they were. The, one of the reasons they were so upset is because they didn't think they could win four straight rounds if they didn't have him. He brought all this athleticism and defense and the, these things that they just, nobody else on their roster had. So now, now it makes more sense when you see like he's just become more and more of a factor. So it seems like one team is getting better. The other team's getting worse. So we head to game six, Boston. I guess the silver linings would, would be as follows. Um, game's home. That's great. Um, uh, more rest for Horford which I think I, he definitely looks more spry when he gets got the two days between the games. And then I assume it's Scott Foster, the extender, <laughs> coming to Boston. <laughs> Is it really, has the, season, has the season reached the point where we're like, please give us Scott Foster for please. game six? It's our last chance. You know, it's funny. When you look at, like, we were discussing, like, would, would I have rather had the Patriots 19 and 0 season, let's say they call any of the holding penalties on the Giants uh, uh, on the helmet catch, or, you know, I could have that or 28 to three. And I was like, I would take 28 to three. It's just the greatest, it's the greatest performance. Like, I, I mean, 19 and 0 would have been nice, but I, I, I just personally, the 28 to three is, is the greatest 
two hours and 15 minutes of football viewing I've, I've ever experienced. So, so when you look at the Patriots run, it's like, we finished with the right number of Super Bowl titles. You know, you could have, we could have won, you know, we could have maybe won one of the others, but we might've lost one of them. And when I look at these warriors, like this doesn't feel like a championship team to me either, even though Steph is obviously Pantheon guy, but you know, you look at 2019 and you look at the Draymond ejection series and you're like, well, they definitely, if they win this, will be closer to the proper number of championships that this dynasty deserves. Right. If they win this, that would be four. And that's right around what the over-under, I think, would have been when they're starting this whole thing. I agree with you. I was talking to um, Kendrick Perkins before the game, who's a, a, just a delight. Um, he was talking about the 2012 Thunder the team that he was on that made the finals against Miami, right? And they were young, like the Celtics team. And the feeling was like, it was, you know, the start of something special. Here we go. Like, yeah, we were young, but Durant was, you know, probably better in that series than Tatum has been in this series. But for the most part, the arrow was pointing up, we'll be back, all that stuff. And they never got back. You know, the next four years, that was it. And it all culminates in 2016. They blow the three to one lead to the Warriors and, and that's it. The window closed. And that that's why with the Celtics team, you know, I both of us are a little older now. We've seen a lot of basketball. We've seen a lot of sports. Like, I just don't trust windows at all. I don't feel like, I know the Celtics team's young. I know the arrow's pointing up. All these guys are under great contracts. I'm sure they can add a couple whatevers. But we not, might not be back. You um, know, like you think that 2010 game seven? In the Lakers, when, you know, Rashid's playing 35 minutes, comes so close to the title, you don't get it. That team never made the finals again. Because, You're never because back. Perks, because Perks hurt and we can't get a rebound. So even though the Lakers shoot 32.5% from the field and 20% from three, we lose because Kobe gets 15 rebounds and Kevin Garnett gets three. It's like yeah. it was yesterday. Um, but so the other problem with Windows is that... Um, Old Giannis is going to be sitting in our window for the next 10 years. <laughs> that guy, right? you know, is the best player on the court by far when he's out there. It's not close. And what happens when Miami does like their typical, oh, Miami just traded Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and three first rounders for Donovan Mitchell. Now, Donovan Mitchell's on my, like, I just, the, the East, I think it's good. It's the, you know, there's a whole bunch of teams that could probably be one move away. And, you know, it, that's like, you know, the stakes for game six, the crowd will be there. It's, you know, it's a Thursday night in Boston. It's a late start. Everybody will be out early. The crowd will will show up. We'll see what kind of shape Curry's in. Um, but, you know, it, it's to now think that this team is officially... Once again, the season could be over with a loss. We've now been here. This is the third do or die elimination game. I don't. What is your psyche like? Because I feel like I need a vacation from the playoffs. I am so exhausted. I am so like physically exhausted. Like I mean, I sometimes you know on the West Coast with the six o'clock tip off, like somewhere around like four p.m., I start to get sad. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> I got to watch this fucking game. <laughs> Oh my it's, god! It's just it, it it's like grueling. It, it's it feels grueling. like a so grueling. I, I know it's sports, but it's you know it's it almost feels more like hockey when we have those hockey runs 
when it's like, I, it's like, I'm not even enjoying this. What is this? This is like having a root canal. No, and we have like, you know, obviously we, we have like five different emotional support group text threads going. And then you always tip me off. Like when someone in the text thread is just too catatonic to even communicate <laughs> anymore. Yeah, just communicate with me directly. <laughs> yeah, I... I, there's nothing like it. It sounds like we're complaining we're not. I, I would not trade places with anyone else on the planet. I'm just saying after 23 games of this, and it's none of these games were easy. It's the Brooklyn so series was the hardest sweep that anyone's ever had in the history of basketball. Every game was a nail biter. And, uh, and it is crazy that g- given all we've been through this spring, that our team is one of the two teams that is still playing, you know, playing right. in the finals like it's just felt a like- team that we we just text all the time is this team good what, what's going on with this team and then all of a sudden they'll have another 10 minute stretch like the one they had today and they seem like the best team in the world now uh, you can't expect to win a game when you play one good quarter against anybody you know so that that was disappointing that that they only could put it together for 10 minutes but um you know yeah, you're right if uh but if they win game six i do feel like in a weird way, the pressure is kind of off. It all shifts to Golden State. You know, if the, if the Celtics win game six and then it's like, oh, you're expected to hold serve. I don't know if I can go to game seven. The game seven in Golden State would give me the flashbacks to 2010, which was a top five worst sports night of my, of my uh, sports fan life. Just um, all time awful. Does Draymond recognize you? Draymond recognized, but well, he, I'm not on the court. No, but like, I, of all the people in the arena, the, the guy most likely to taunt you probably plays for the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be looking for me. One of the sections. He was so mad when he got kicked out of the game today. I, I thought he was, I, I don't even know who he was mad at. He was yelling at people to challenge. It turned out well, that... He, it wasn't a foul. It was really a lame call. Like, it, yeah, it was kind of a foul on Curry maybe, but it was a bad call. But you know, um, I still don't understand like how Draymond, first of all, Ime got teed up immediately. Like I didn't even like get the mask lowered. I don't know right. how, what he said. And then I, I didn't see, I just saw that Marcus got a technical, but Draymond's histrionics, Draymond walking into the Celtics bench, Draymond, like I think these Draymond rules where he, you know, he can, he can stir things up. He can he can scream at a ref for three minutes in his face. Yeah, it's just nothing. They will and smart. Not. Smart's like ten seconds. Yeah, the rules do seem a little different. Well, now we sound like we're complaining. All right, what do we think happens? Game six. Um, I think Celtics force game seven. I don't think they can win game six unless the bench shows up. That's a, that's a half-assed prediction, but we saw it with Game 7 Milwaukee, and we're going to see it the rest of the way. Peyton Pritchard will make his first three. What happened to Peyton Pritchard, this is what I do after made threes, where he's screaming at his bench, and where's that guy? Can that guy come back? Well, you got to make it. That's the key to that whole... Oh, that. Oh, that's how that works. All right. Well... We only, however this goes, we only have a couple of days left and then we move on to the Red Sox and wondering why they have not extended Raphael Devers, who's the best hitter in the American League, <laughs> why they just won't give him money so he can be in our lives for the next 10 years. The Cutter Crawford era is underway. It's mm-hmm. going to be a good time. Kevin Edge, good to see you as always. All right, brother. Talk soon. 
All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing as always. Thanks to Dylan Burke and Steve Cerruti as well. I'm going to see you Wednesday and Thursday this week. So two more podcasts coming. Unless I drink too much tonight and I end up in a jail in San Francisco. Don't rule that out. I want to see